The first question was about pain, how to deal with pain. There's no one answer, is there? We could we were saying we could do a whole retreat on it. It's it's a case of really opening the mind, opening the awareness to really receive what's here and see what medicine is needed. You know, there are times when it's conducive just to be with that experience, you know, to come, but to to even do that, we have to come out of the tendency to energetically tighten around pain. So how do we actually be here with what is happening? Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I can find if my mind goes, ah, then the mind tightens, the body tightens, and what might have been actually just a passing sensation starts to get energised. So a lot of it to me is about relaxing, relaxing in the body, relaxing in the mind. So some of us have bodies, it's not like the pain is going to go away, but the response to that can become really so different that the pain is experienced very differently. I don't know about you, but certainly by this age, bones are going their own way, things are going their own way. And then what am I doing with that in terms of my own heart? So here we are sitting, oh, there is painful sensation, and it, there can just be that presence with it, oh, dukhindriya, the faculty for painful physical sensation. Yeah? It's part of embodied experience. Yeah? It's nothing going wrong. So there can be that kind of softening and acceptance. Here it is. Now what is needed? You know? If we're thinking in terms of love, what would love do? And there are times when we just stay still, stay present, and start to work energetically, relaxing. There are times when it's suitable to change posture out of compassion. Yeah. What it's like to be in this sensitive, embodied form. So, in my experience, you know, we'll talk more about this in the retreat. The breath is medicine. So, to use breath to keep the energetic flow happening. Pain usually really um, amplifies when we concentrate or focus attention in a certain place. So the breath helps us get a flow happening. It's a bit like breathing through something, letting energy flow through this, this energy of love, of life, of vitality. So we're letting that flow, massage, in a way make the space, make the body experience, make the heart experience large enough. So to feel that tendency to tighten, resist, not want, and relaxing that. Here it is. The next moment may be different, but in this moment, this is what is happening, what is needed. Yeah, so, you know, that sense of breath is medicine and and a kind of spaciousness for life. And then there's looking after the bodies there, you know, working, you know, there's sitting on the cushion, there's things that support the body's flexibility, the body's well-being, enough sleep, right food, exercises, you know, so that we're actually living in a really holistic way. We're not doing crazy things, sitting down and expecting the body to be blissful. And I'm, you know, I'm like you, if I do a lot of heavy work outside, I sit down, the body's just painful. You know, this is the consequence of, and then to use the breath to rebalance, to re-energize, to actually allow things to come out of contraction. So that's just opening comments, yeah. How do we how do we actually bring love, awareness, tenderness into this experience? And I know from some of you, some of you actually have really painful physical form. So it's not that we can necessarily change that, but we can certainly change our response to that. 
so it feels radically different. Mm. And we have compassion here, and it teaches us to have compassion for all beings, yeah, in sensitive forms. So we use it to make the heart grow great. Ajahn, how do you work with a painful body? Pretty much I agree with what you're saying, Willa. All that's really lovely to hear. Um, Lovely to hear. And, you know, I don't really have the kind of pains that a lot of people have. So I, you know, I really hear some dreadful things people experiencing. So, so, you know, it's easy for me to say. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, there's different kinds of pain, aren't there? There's the just the physical sensation pain which is you know you've got physical damage and then you've got the energetic pain where things are just twisted up um compression not just body feels really uncomfortable and then of course the sickness when you feel diseased sickness so everything is just um i know exactly i mean really it's it's how do you use pain as a teacher to you know as you said, to work on the relationship, the mind's relationship, you know, it's, 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 thing, it's going to conquer things and make things right and change things and it can't stand it. And it causes the mind has to just start to surrender, not in a kind of defeated way, but like just open, open from its contracted state. And um, I mean, I'll just echo everything you said. The only thing I might add to it is sometimes it's good if you've got a local pain, you know, like you've got a pain in your leg, to just widen your awareness to include your whole body. Then you can sense, oh yeah, there's only that painful bit, it's only like 10%. So it just gives a little bit of a, you, you've got to, you can step back into something that's not pushing you against the wall, you know. You've got somewhere where you can get a little bit of comfort where you can actually, okay, that's there and I'm not completely in it you know because when you're in it it gets really difficult um, so you've got somewhere like okay my legs on fire but my ears are pretty good <laughs> you know my back particularly the back uh, if you've got it that can give you some support um, working with the energies how the mind kind of seizes and gets seized and just softening energies so you can begin to open and, and expand I once told someone to welcome their pain. Fortunately, it didn't hit me. <laughs> I don't mean you like it. It means you just, instead of doing that, you kind of, uh, as best you can. Uh, and sometimes it's good to have that bigger space behind, you know, stepping back to a bigger body to give you that place where you couldn't possibly give the mind a break so as it can rest up. Um, and then visualizing pain sometimes helps because when you just feel it on a tactile you get almost instinctive body just instinctively responds but if you sort of visualize what does it look like in a way you transfer the pain to a visual image you've got some chance where it's not quite so intense you know and you sort of get the mind to describe how big the area is and what does it look like and that just again changes just gives a little bit support in changing the relationship to the pain and when it's things like sickness which is physically then you know you really got to start practicing metta (laughs) metta and realize somebody in the world is probably is experiencing this or even worse karuna you know big field um, and don't get your intention trying to cure anything just get your intention to just open and, and be loving as you said so that's kind of uh, what I would uh, echo what you say and maybe just a couple of footnotes on that and maybe even just to pick up a little on that Bunte, that you know I was talking to someone who's going to have a baby soon and the re- new research says that actually our body is pain is one sensation, but the wiring is such that stroking actually has blocks out the pain. Yeah? Then you're just with the stroking. So, you know, my sense of breath is of stroking. So that mm. to realize that actually we can shift radically 
with what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and our awareness can't we? So that sense, like you're saying, focusing somewhere else or coming into a different um, rhythm with it. Mm-hmm. So stroking awareness through something. Yeah, yeah, breathing through it, breathing through it. Because as the energy locks up, that's when you're in problems. As the energy locks, then your mind locks, then you get into this, you know, gripped state where the pain just pushes you against the wall. But if you can keep your energy loosely fluid, that, that again tends to counteract the grip of pain, the gripping effect. So you've got to look at pain as both, you know, the dukkha vedana, but also the, the, the psychological feeling of being seized and also the energetic grip of it, where it just captures your attention. So if you can loosen that up, then you've, you've begun to undercut some of the aspects of pain. Pain has got all kinds of different features to it, other than just the disagreeable sensations. There's all kinds of other stuff involved with it. Um, and that's kind of what it teaches you, because you know some of the psychological bleating or fighting has to go um, you know, then your energies have to loosen up around it. Um, and then it can make you very sweet, you know, very sweet and loving because uh, every every creature is experiencing this. Mm-hmm. And so grateful, perhaps when it's stopped, when you're not in pain, just, oh. Mm. What do you do when your mind's obsessively thinking? <laughs> yeah. Who asked that one? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, um, excessively thinking. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, there's a range of things. My sense is you've got to take take the mind to a place where it pauses, either by linking it to the out breath. So you kind of, if you like, you jam the thinking by dropping the outbreath into it. And the outbreath has got that sort of deflation, easing up that tends to obsessive thinking tends to escalate energy. Just you know, so that or walking up and down. So you've got something physical that stands in the way. But it's quite often the case the obsessive thinking will just override that. So sometimes you have to directly counter think. You know. Or ask, for example, asking questions. You know, who's thinking? What's the thinking feel like? So, you, where you kind of enter a dialogue with the thinking mind. If you're entering a dialogue with the thinking mind, you're dividing the energy of the thinking mind into two. So, the obsessive thinking is going one way, and then you've got a questioning saying, "Uh huh, and how is that? And how is that? And what does that feel like? And how's that? Uh, and where does that go? You know." So, you're kind of using one set of thoughts to catch the other set of thoughts rather like someone a horse running out and you run after it and jump on the back of the thing you know so it's like one set of thoughts sits on top of the other sets of thoughts and your obsessive thought is the wild horse and then your, your other thought jumps on top of it and says oh how are you doing having a nice obsession are you very good and how is that today and you know what's it feel like you know so you start to kind of talk to it whereby it, it can no longer quite get so headstrong and involved with itself. Um, some of it sometimes is just really funny, you know, because it's, some of it is just stuff you've heard so many times and it's almost like this old this old thing again. <laughs> or or the, how dare they, you know, you go to the emotions, you know, how dare they indignant, da-da-da-da-da, anything <laughs> kind of comical. Or you get these uh, terribly poignant thoughts where you're really frightened. You know, so it depends what the what the thought is doing. But uh, so you question it sometimes compassionately, like, how does it feel that thought? Don't try to stop it, but just how how does it feel? What's what's the one word that would sum up the emotion that, that thought is running on? Is it just desperation? Is it fear? Is it anger? Uh, is it anger? Is it excitement is it just escapism like just me think about any old thing and then how's that feel in the heart how's it feel in the heart don't stop it but how's, what's the what's the current is riding on you get it into your heart and then how does that heart feel in your body agitated stirring could you get your body to kind of wrap around it 
and listen to it compassionately, listening with your body. Hmm? You know, obviously this is an arms and legs, it's the felt body is kind of holding it, you know, breathing into it, breathing into it like you're holding a baby in your, with your felt body, holding it, just breathing into it. And, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anything more? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anything more you'd like to say? Uh-huh. So don't, if you say shut up, it doesn't like it. If you say anything more? Anything more? Come on, speak up. And eventually it kind of... <laughs> Sometimes it just needs to be listened to with, a, with, a, with that kind of grandmother heart. That's kind of uh, my um, suggestion. Do you, do you have any of those? Do you know anything about that? A, li a little bit, a little bit. So, like you, my sense is, in a way, what I, how, how I might phrase it is almost to come under the thoughts and to feel the energetic of them. Mm -hmm. you know, and some of us have favourite hindrances. So, if you're the current kind of worry mind kind of is everything all right kind of mind is this need doing kind of mind it brings a kind of restlessness and a lot of thinking so for me sometimes I just go oh there's worry happening and it can be just trivial little things yeah but it's a kind of a habitual response that needs a laying and soothing and meeting so yeah coming under the thoughts as you're describing Bhante is really helpful for me sometimes it's a bit like the system's too frayed you know, too fragmented or warm so actually it needs some kind of nourishment mm -hmm. so recollecting you know if you if you find recollecting the, the buddha the dhamma the sangha gladdening or teachers or anything that brings a sense of well-being and joy mm -hmm. and starts to um, feed mm -hmm. the sense of okayness and mm -hmm. presence really helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, medita is really helpful for that. Really mm -hmm. recognizing goodness, your own goodness, goodness of practice, the field we're in. I find really starts to calm mind and, and establish it in the greater presence. So, once again, it's an inquiry, isn't it? Is this mm -hmm coming from frayedness, tiredness, and effect, mm -hmm. sense that there's not enough capacity even to establish mindfulness, so something needs feeding, or is it that there, you know, something else is going on? Yeah, what is he trying to do? You know, what's he trying to yeah. do? Mm -hmm. Having a bit of sympathy, uh, mm -hmm. trying to meet the emotional current uh, in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a painful state, isn't it? <laughs> you know? So it's, again, even just to feel how painful it is to have my agitator can shift everything. Mm -hmm. But oh, this poor being with this agitated mind. Mm -hmm. Many of you will have read the nun's verses you know, in different forms, and there are some really lovely teachings from some of the bhikkhuni who said, you know, not for a moment did I have any peace of mind. But clearly they kept establishing mindfulness with that. And at some point the mind released. Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't have to be an obstacle if we keep present to it. We just have different kind of karma with our minds, don't we? Yeah, so to look after the heart and mind in that. People can't concentrate. Help. Mind just can't concentrate, doesn't stay still for a moment. Okay. So we're kind of a bit in the same territory, aren't we? You know, often, if it can't con concentrate, I don't even like the word myself, but it won't collect, it won't, it won't stay present with, with the focus of the meditation. First, it's to recognise that, isn't it? Because sometimes we're not even really 
um, present to the fact that the mind's just scattering all over the place, that mindfulness hasn't been established clearly. And then what are we trying to do? Because my experience, you know, of talking to people, of myself, is we can have such a narrow sense of concentration. And I have an image for that, as some of you know. Like if we're concentrating and it's, it's kind of a narrow thing like that, you know, it falls over really easily. Yeah, so it's a very tight, focused in a very sharp way on a very small point. We can get sometimes really strong concentration but it's very brittle and, you know, in a way what we're trying to cultivate is an awareness that has this deep receptivity so that it may not feel as sharp initially, but it's a lot more stable, yeah? So I would just check, in a way, a sense of what we're trying to do. If we're trying to narrow down tight into a point and lose everything, yeah. shut everything up, quieten everything down, then it's an actually, it's, we can do it through willpower, but it's not really sustainable in the long term and it doesn't really fruit. So I can't concentrate on maybe to focus in a slightly different way. In a way, we're trying to come out of fragmentation, aren't we, into a kind of embodied presence. And often it's more about opening than concentrating or tightening. And then how do we keep the mind so that it can actually stay present with the experience of body, present with the experience of breath? And one of the keys to that is really attuning to what is beautiful, you know, the beautiful breath, the relief of just being here, sitting in this simplicity, bringing perceptions that actually feed and allay so that we can actually fully come here. And it is in this very broad, very present way. What is here? What needs attending to? And then if we come and we allow ourselves to be fully in this experience of body, experience of this moment, then certain things start to become more present within our awareness. Breath starts to arise, yeah? naturally. So I just, in a way, if, I'm, if I get the sense I can't concentrate, I just check what the agenda had been and whether it actually had enough spaciousness in it, enough receptivity in it. There's a lot we could say on that, but maybe that's a start. So, Bhante, what do you do with your wayward mind? Wayward mind? <laughs> when it won't settle anywhere. Uh, yes. Um, uh, well, it's not too much of a problem, but I don't really, as, as I think yourself, I'm very cautious about the word concentration because of what that means, or what that tends to mean, mm, you know. And there's a sense of settledness and stability, um, which is not about a fo narrow focus, it's about inner inner gravity that begins to arise. And basically, you know, when, when the Buddha used the word samadhi, it says, what's the precursor for that? Uh, the mind is happy. What's the precursor for the mental happiness? The body is relaxed. Why is the body relaxed? Because uh, we experience freedom from blame, freedom from remorse, freedom from guilt. Uh, we have good friends. Uh, so you can always sort of go back to stop thinking about concentrating. It's the, if it isn't there, it isn't there. It's not right. It doesn't something you do. It's something that happens. Yeah, so we've got to go back to, okay, okay, I've, you know, I'm keeping precepts. I don't hurt people. There's honesty there for me. How does honesty feel? How does truthfulness feel? How does self-respect feel? How does generosity feel? Yeah, that's good. Uh, what does gratitude feel like? Yeah, that's good. Okay, take those in. Satisfied. 
our body begins to settle, mind feels happy. So it's often we've got to step back from this holy grail of concentration, <laughs> you know, like that's what you know. It's not that's not the big deal of meditation. You know, that's what kind of happens. But even you look at looking at the jhanas, even first jhanas, no mention of concentration, the sense of disengagement from distressing experiences, just step back from them. Focus on experiences that gladden the heart. You know, think through it, think it, bring it to mind. Remember, you know, one has good friends. If you've got one good friend, or even remember the goodness, you know, let your heart dwell in that until you get that heartful lingering, 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 and drinking it in and breathing it in. So as we've as you've so often commented, you know, breathing is not purely the air thing, it's sending the vitality, you know, picking up a fruitful heart tone and extending that vitality you know in that in that breathy kind of way in that tidal flowing vital way so the body feels settled and soothed right through you know to then the mind doesn't want to go anywhere else it's happy it sits there yeah you know? um so there's often this value of recollection of deliberately drawing back Good friends, morality, freedom from guilt, freedom from remorse. You know. Now, of course, we can think about things we do feel remorse for. Yeah, but think about things you don't feel remorse for. <laughs> Dwell upon the lovely and the good, and that's that's called that's punya, that's merit, and there's a value to that. It shouldn't just be taken lightly. Mind is happy, body settles, and you're in your felt body, and your felt body can act as the basis for the jitta to recognize it and oh you can be at home here sit down you don't have to make an effort you don't have to struggle you don't have to concentrate just sit here and eventually rather like you know taming a wild deer if you keep holding the food out jitter will gather in and sit down that's my sense of it it's a graduated mm -hmm. process it's not something you're forced to you shouldn't force it it's, it's if you're doing that you're going the wrong way it's recollection and gathering up the good. Yeah. Yes, as you say, Bhante, to really see it as a process you know, yeah. of really getting the conditions that support the mind mm -hmm. to actually, the mind-body to come out of that fragmentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've, as you were talking, I was also thinking of that framework, you know, the Indriya, and that the first thing that is needed is the establishment of conviction or faith right, that yeah. sense that it's worth actually mm -hmm. doing the practice mm -hmm. you know, it's and it's possible it's possible mm -hmm. for this you know, this process to actually fruit so that you really we come into the sense of connection with the triple joy term mm -hmm. so it's, once again it's not some narrow focus but it's actually opening into a bigger field bigger practice. Field, bigger field, bigger field. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on? Yeah, so here's one. My mind goes dull and I keep falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> 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 well, I suppose it's the obvious stuff, isn't there? But it's often that that miserable negative feeling one has towards it, or just the collapse into it. You just kind of uh, can't be bothered, or fighting against it. And there's a difference, you, you know. You're not going to collapsing into it, but also just fighting against it isn't isn't appropriate because you haven't got the. It's just not the right one to do it. And so, by and large, you know, my my strategy is to use the body really you know to hold the body up and to draw the body up in line with the breathing and open the eyes uh, and feel when your energy is low you can often feel the skin feels like kind of wet rags tightening around your head so you contemplate the physical feeling of it keep your eyes open 
uh, let your breathing descend because often the breathing gets kind of dull and you, you find when you dull your head goes over so your chest cavity gets smaller so your breathing gets limper and less juicy so you want to you know try to keep your chest open so you can get the vitalizing effect of, of the breathing as a, as, a, as a factor standing is good uh, uh, keeping your eyes open wide open and contemplating sometimes energy is not there it's just to me i don't think you know i think there's a just the fact that energy itself is just the factor like you know that you only got so much of you can't you can't have more than you've got so sometimes you just run out of juice and uh what are you going to do about that is it possible to to be to meditate or to be aware of low juice without trying to make it high juice and that's also you know sometimes it's not going to get any stronger but you can just find a place where you can you know, not cave in, not get frantic and agitated, and just rest in it. So those are kind of things. But by and large, I would say most people are experiencing this that often their bodies are going soft and saggy. So some open-eyed attention to bodily posture is going to be, I think, a pretty uh, crucial. Uh, feature to get some leverage on how that captures everything uh, you can bring up get the mind active like recitation reciting a mantra you can move your mind around your body like you often so might, I might put my fingertips together because fingertips have got a they're quite sensitive so just instead of tightening just using this focusing on the sensitivity of the fingertips if you can sleep just keep focusing on that so your mind has got something to anchor on as it changes gear how to operate with a low energy so you get energy's low but you're still awake with it because you've got something that's that's easy to sense which is the the sensations in the fingertips and staying with that breathing 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 yeah. and so you know Energy goes down, 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 but the mind doesn't go negative or, 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 or stupid. The mind is, okay, let's work with this. This is a natural experience. And maybe we, we trough, we go into a trough and you just hang in there in the trough. And surprisingly, you know, I might hang in that trough for a good half an hour or so and just working with it and then, oh, it's starting to lift. Whew, you know? starting to lift if I fight with it it doesn't work I can hold hang in with it the energy as the mind adjusts its energy the energy starts to come up a little bit and that's really nice to sense how the energy will take care of itself how about yourself well yes and just thinking too that for most people in the world they're chronically tired yeah yeah the experiences of being really stretched in all kinds of different ways so that when we sit down, oh, it can be that just a, the whole system is tired. Mm-hmm. So at a start of a retreat, it can be one of the big problems. All of a sudden we stop and then oh, mm-hmm. come into how actually exhausted the whole system is. Mm-hmm. So that needs respecting and, you know, Buddha would say if it's really deep physical tiredness, then the, one of the recipes is sleep. Yeah. But that there are things to do before that, as you're saying, you know, to actually learn learn what that low energy is like and to be able to stay present with it. Mm-hmm. So when the energy is low because the physical energy has been really um, used and expended, and then there's the kind of dullness that comes from a kind of resistance to being present. So mm-hmm. if I become dull and I know this physical body is rested enough, then my inquiry will be, you know, what is it I don't want to be present with? Mm-hmm. So it may be some physical pain, it may be just some energetic imbalance, 
something that's happening, you know, that's kind of bubbling in the chitta. So coming into inquiry, that kind of inquiry, I find, can really suddenly sharpen and brighten the mind. So seeing it as, as something that needs a bit of energy coming into it to really understand it, to understand what's going on. So I find it can come from different sources. Sometimes it's a bit like the Buddha described it being um, sat on by an elephant or stepped on by an elephant, yeah, and that, so it's a kind of energetic pressing down. It's often if the system's just too worn out. Other times it's that sense of a, how was it described, a bowl full of you know, kind of dark stuff in a dark cupboard, yeah, and to me that needs inquiry. In a way, when the mind's lost the ability to really know what's going on, then to start to awaken that again. So it, it takes a sense of really trying to feel into what's really going on, you know, and then then to use whatever medicine is needed for that. It's certainly unpleasant. <laughs> certainly is. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So standing up, these simple things can really help because standing so helps the energy body you know, come out of crinkles and wrinkles and, and, and smooth out, which may be really helpful. Yes, as you're saying, Bhante, to stay present and to come out of kind of aversion yeah, and also it's important to um, I realize. Yeah, clearly one does. People do get exhausted in their lifestyles, but I know in in monasteries, people are not exhausted. They're just they're just nodding off. That's right. There's a sense this longing for calm. To 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 overly calm, want to get away from things. It's like a certain instinctive reflex, like a certain escapism. I don't think it's psychological, it's just you don't want to go in you know, a nice, calm, soft place. And you see people doing this year in, year out, and not really taking it seriously. But this is, you know, calm is not the big deal, you know. It's only supposed to be a, a, a part of a remedy, you know, and you're actually using investigation and inquiry is, is, is crucial. You, know? yeah. you get stuck in these habits. Whereby that's what you do when you meditate is bye bye's time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Rather than waking up time. Yeah, waking up time. Like open your eyes. You know, it's ain't that yes. difficult. But people want something wants to just, you know. It's, uh, mm -hmm. And so it becomes a habit. Mm -hmm. So to kind of emphasize the sense of. Not physical, not physical pushing, but mental acuity. Like, okay, what's happening in your hands? What's happening in your feet? What's happening in your chest? What's happening in your chest? Get the mind to move around a bit, yeah? rather than always seek to concentrate and calm down. Yeah. yeah, there can be an addiction, as you're pointing to, to just kind of getting everything calm. Mm -hmm. yeah. You make me think of that thing from Ajahn Chah, you know, even chickens can sit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is about bringing inquiry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, energising the mind. So what about when energy is going weird? I've got a question here, weird energy is running over my body. I've got this funny strange spasms and sort of energy rushing up and funny feelings and what's that all about? So there's many things one can say about that, but once again, you know, there can be different reasons for these things, yeah? When we're cultivating and the mind really opens and comes out of fragmentation, all kinds of rebalancings can happen, yeah? So you can get energies that are kind of weird but actually just things finding their right place yeah so sometimes they're part of something the whole system coming into balance 
and we we stay really spacious with that. Yeah. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I sit, I feel after a while, you know, even even the bones start straightening themselves out as the energy of the breath comes through them. So some weird things are actually just part of of a rebalancing. And then there are the kind of weird things that are coming from too much tightening often where there's, there's not been enough spaciousness, enough flow. Yeah. So if things get, you know, so that they feel like they've, they're weird from a tight place, then, then they need that sense of using breath, the energy of breath, to really calm, settle, and once again bring things out of restriction into flow. So one of my things, you know, is that sense of, well, we don't panic, yeah? This mind and body are marvellous things and all kinds of things are possible, but we need to once again discern, is this something that's actually conducive, bringing deeper well-being, part of something clearing and coming into balance, or is it about actually a wrong relationship to body and experience that's actually bringing tightening and an intensification and a kind of imbalancing. So that would be my first thing, going, hmm, what's happening here? Is there enough breath, spaciousness, friendliness here? And then weird things happen, we relax, and often they just pass through, they're just doing their thing. If we don't tighten around them. How about you, Ajahn? What do you do with the weird energies that can happen? Um, yeah, I don't have too much of a problem with it personally, but because I do quite a bit of spinal stuff, and I think there's a uh, uh, you know the energy system of the body. Basically, the, the true true axis is the spine, spinal axis. I don't mean the physicality of the spine, but there's an energy channel. So I'm aware of that and extend over the entire uh, region of that spinal channel. Then the awareness, when awareness connects to energy, it amplifies it. You don't have to do anything. When awareness touches energy and stays with it, the energy is amplified. That's just seemingly over chemistry. So if one gets too interested in the weird stuff, you amplify it. If you struggle with it, you amplify it. If you wonder what it's about, you're still giving it energy. Yeah. If you get frightened of it, you give it energy. Yeah? If you try and control it, you give it energy. So you want to, my sense is you want to go back to the spinal channel and extend it, because it's actually like an energy channel rather than a physical one, from the, ideally, you know, you probably feel it somewhere in your body and, and go down. Go down through the base of the body, and if you can, go down to your feet, do standing. Because standing is a great balancer, you know, because you're connecting right to the earth, and you've got a, that spinal axis is very long then, and then you're connecting to that, and you get the vertical axis, so you establish that, and then perhaps you begin to recognise, oh yeah, it's a bit stuck here in the chest. Oh, that's where it's stuck. So just being aware of, of what's underneath and what's above and around that with an opening so that perhaps energy which has been stuck can return to the spinal axis you know, because that's the mother of them all. And then, you know, and then it may begin to move up. You might find a oh, bit of a jump or a release or something like that. And in emotion, because sometimes these energies get trapped through emotional shock or obstructions. So it might be an energetic release. So there's the, lat- the vertical and then the lateral. The vertical is the most important, I think. And then if that also you can do the lateral across the chest and across the hips. So if you're, you're not energetically compressed, there's an expansion. So those act like a kind of frame, you yeah, know, in which you're, you establish that frame and then 
bring that awareness on that, your energy will tend eventually to conform to that frame just by holding that frame in awareness. Your energy will tend to lengthen, uh, you know, so instead of being bunched up and jangly, it begins to smooth and lengthen and also widen. Um, instead of being kind of over to the left or over to the right or sinking down. Uh, and then, and this is a great place, a great way to heal certain uh, blockages. You know, you might feel you've got a, some strange funny block in your hip, which isn't associated with a muscle. It just feels tight there and stressed and holding. And you don't know why it's holding. You don't have to know why. But if you hold, my sense is that frame and breathing onto that, through that frame, letting your breath cover that frame, your awareness cover that frame, energies will tend by themselves. They know what to do. They come out of the lock and go home to, to the proper state. Um, that's my sense of it. Energy is very fascinating. And I think that's one of the main things is not to get too fascinated, involved, worried. Uh, you know, oh, this is a Kundalini breakthrough. No, it's not a Kundalini breakthrough. <laughs> or if it is, so what? You know, uh, don't get interested in it. Just find the cool, steady place of the open body, and that will tend to draw energy energies in line with it. And if you, if that doesn't work for you then leave it don't don't linger in it just start moving around if you if you're, if you're finding it's getting too much too intense just widen your frame of reference do some walking meditation you know take a bath or something take a shower don't get intense around it yeah yeah intensification doesn't help does it no so. Yeah. I think we have time perhaps just for we've got time for one more what would you like to tackle anything or leave it there well why don't we tackle you know about breath since we're in a way we're in the realm of this aren't we so I can't do breath meditation everything tightens when I concentrate on it other times I just lose it <laughs> yeah well um as I said, breath meditation, it, it, you don't want to go to it too early. It's always there. And uh, my sense is this idea of concentrating on the breath is, is the wrong idea. The Buddha never told us to do that. Um, and it's like if, you, if you're settling your body and your whole body, you get into the felt body and you're settling that, your breath tide is going to, your breathing time is going to begin to manifest. You'll begin to sense it with no pressure and you, you open and receive it. So you don't try to concentrate on it. If it's not there, it's not, it's not ready yet. You have to get the body settled and the mind uh, in the right state, you know. We're not hunting, we're not chasing, we're not goal-oriented, you know. We're not trying to make an experience happen. Very common. In meditation is to try to have a try to make things happen trying to get to that thing you read in the book it's very common and so just ground in the body wait and linger and, and steady and if the heart is contented then it will the breathing will manifest in somewhere or another this is a gentle tide of swelling you know and uh and just re receive it. Don't don't concentrate on it because the idea is you're mindful of it. You know, which means you, in that frame of reference, you can notice there is this experience, and and it will let it let it, uh, um, however it manifests. Mm. Yes, yes, that sense. Uh, hunting, then things start running. Yeah. So that sense of here we are and the breath is energy, it's life, it actually comes, it brings us into relationship with everything. So to be, I think we have to be really respectful of it. We're not trying to do something with it, get it, have it, you know. So to, to come into right relationship with breath, with everything. And one th thing I find really helpful is, say that's the body energetic and just 
to let the breath come and touch. Mm-hmm. So mind is not moving, the body is not moving, just receiving something that's actually being given, but bestowed, it's happening by itself, mm-hmm. and letting that, you know, do its thing. Because, yeah, there can be whole senses of trying to get some kind of experience, but actually what the work is is to set skillful conditions to let things arise naturally. Mm-hmm. And as you, you'll all be familiar, if, if you set things up with the proper conditions, then things flower from there. And if, if what you're experiencing is when you concentrate on the breath, everything tightens, that's a real sign that um, the relationship isn't right yet that there needs to be more just coming into the body, more relaxation, more allowing, kind of broadening, just coming into presence, just being here, is what I would say. So it's it's a helpful piece of information if you find it's this tightening happening. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, well, you know, how am I actually relating to this? Exactly. Gift, really, gift of breath, mm. gift of life. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, we can't treat depth experiences like surface experiences. You can yeah. grab hold of a banana, but you can't grab hold of breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and even bananas can be slippery, so yeah. Slippery, yeah. So you use a different protocol for depth experiences. It's much more respectful. Mm. Much more respectful. No, no bullying, yeah. no grabbing allowed. That's right. And and respectful because breath actually links and relates to all kinds of things. So breath, the chitta, they're all you know coming in the same kind of substance in a way. So it's to be respectful of your own heart as well, our own hearts, that we're not trying to do some trip on it. Yeah, we're we're coming into something really profound. We're coming into relationship with with existence. So, yeah, to soften around that. I'm just aware of the time. I think we've um, used people's hour. With it. The listening has been used for an hour. I hope it's been of some use, benefit, perhaps some old refrains that you've probably heard before. It's good to refresh again. And it's nice to be in dialogue with Willa. I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. Listening to what we're saying, yeah. slightly different voices, but it um, seems that I uh, hope the, um, things are, some things are settling for you there. Thank you, Vante. Yeah.